I'm starting a new series this morning. Uh, it's called Overcoming. And um, this has been something that I've been thinking about for, for quite a while. And there's, there are just some things that, that um, I want to talk to you about over the next four or five weeks. And, and I kind of give you a, just a heads up on some stuff. I'm probably going to, if, you're, if you are traditionally Pentecostal or charismatic, I'm probably going to mess with your theology some over the next four or five weeks. Uh, I know I don't do that very often, but, but still, um, it's just one of those things that, that I just feel like I need to talk to you this, this for the next few weeks on overcoming, because in the greater Pentecostal charismatic movement, we talk a lot about deliverance and being delivered. Uh, and we mentioned being an overcomer. We like that. We like, I'm an overcomer. Um, but the problem with making that statement, I don't know that we ever really take the time to drill down to what that is. And so I'm not really sure we understand what an overcomer is and what becoming an overcomer involves. And so today I want to introduce you to, and maybe lay a foundation for becoming an overcomer or just overcoming in general. Overcome simply means to get the better of, uh, to succeed in dealing with a problem or a difficulty. And so we're going to look at a bunch of scriptures. If you have version out, you can follow along. I'm just going to kind of hit them quickly and, and, uh, and then move through it. But uh, 1 John 2, 13 and 14 says, I'm writing to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I'm writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. I write to you, dear children, because you know the father. I write to you, fathers, because you know him, him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you're strong and the word of God lives in you and you have overcome the evil one. Now, it's not, I, didn't, I didn't double cut and paste that right there. It actually says that. So it's rep repetitive in there. And when you know when the writers of Scripture, when they repeat something, it's like putting an exclamation point on it. And so he's trying to get a, get a, get a point across here, making an emphatic statement that you have and you can overcome the evil one. You can overcome the stuff that's in the world. 1 John 5, 4, everyone born of God overcomes the world. Everyone born of God overcomes the world. Revelation 2, 7, to him who overcomes, I will give to eat from the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. Revelation 2.11, he who overcomes shall not be hurt by the second death. Revelation 2.17, to him who overcomes, I will give some of the hidden manna, and I will give him a white stone, and on the stone a new name written, which no one knows except him who receives it. Revelation 3.5, he who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments, and I will not blot out his name from the book of life. I might mess with some Baptist people too a little bit during this. That one right there really can mess with them a little bit. But I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. Revelation 3.12, he who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go out no more. I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven from God, and I will write on him my new name. Revelation 3.21, to him who overcomes. I will grant to sit with me on my throne as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. And Revelation 21, 7, he who overcomes shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. So I ask you a question in the beginning of this day. Do you think overcoming is a biblical idea? It's not a trick question. Do you think becoming an overcomer or being an overcomer or overcoming something is a biblical ideology? It's a biblical, it's a biblical truth, isn't it? I mean, we just read a lot of Bible that says, he who overcomes, to him who overcomes, all through the through scriptures. 
So as you can see, overcoming is a biblical concept. It's something that we have to explore. Overcoming requires complete dependence on God for direction, purpose, fulfillment, and strength to follow his plan for our lives. Now, over the next four or five weeks, there's going to be connections to all of this because I think that we have relied so much on the idea of deliverance that we become weak and lazy when it comes to the truth of overcoming. I mean, if, if I could go in and just at a word, be free of something as opposed to facing it and dealing with it and walking it out, I think I would choose at a word. I go to the refrigerator, pull something out for dinner. If I can do it in 60 seconds in the microwave, it's a lot better than putting it in the oven for an hour. That's the Western idea. Okay? There are elements of our spirituality, there are elements of our walk that we tend to want to take the quickest route to the, to the results. Unfortunately, there's a whole bunch of stuff in our life that God will not supernaturally deliver you from. Oh, but I think I'm going to pray. For example, lust. I want deliverance from lust. God will not deliver you from lust. I need deliverance from my anger. Ain't going to happen. I've got this, I've got this thing, this, this, God's not going to, God, God will not deliver you from any work or act of the flesh. It will not happen. It's not biblical. He can't do that because he's got to be true to his word. The word of God talks about flesh being uh, something that we have to overcome. Okay. Spiritual famine. We'll talk about that in a few weeks. We're going to talk about overcoming fear, overcoming failure. Overcoming famine, overcoming flesh. We're going to talk about all of these things over the next five weeks. But what you and I have to recognize is that to overcome something, it requires something from us. It requires something from us. The only thing you get out of at a confession or as a statement, a declaration, is salvation. You declare Jesus Christ as Lord. You believe that God raised Him from the dead, and you shall be saved. That's that's the that's the deal. Okay. We get that at a declaration. We get that at a word and belief. But when it comes to overcoming something, there's work to be done. And most of us check out right there. Work, I do that Monday through Friday. I spend my 40 hours. And I, now there's this push to make that the work week 32 hours and all that kind of stuff. Okay. If you couldn't get it done in 40, you're certainly not going to get it done in 32. <laughs> I just need to work less. Hmm. The problem is we want to work less, make the same money. I'm not going to get into that. That's a whole, that, that's not even a sermon today. I'm, I'm just going to get off that. All right, so we complete dependence. Look at Proverbs 3. Proverbs 3, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your path straight. Trust in the Lord with what? All my heart. Don't lean on my own ideology, my own understanding. In every way of my life, submit to the Lord. And if I do all those things, he'll make my path straight. 2 Corinthians 12, 9. He said this to Paul, and we'll read it again later, but he said, my grace is sufficient because my power is made perfect in our weaknesses. But we don't realize that power. We don't get to experience that power until we have 
live Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. Okay? Overcoming requires complete dependence on God. Second thing about overcome, overcoming is this, that it's often equated with enduring. And there's another nasty word in our mouth. It's got a bad taste. Endure. Endure. We got a bad situation happening. We're in negative circumstances. All hell's breaking loose around us. Everything's collapsing around us. And what do we want to do? God, I declare this is not happening. We open our eyes and it's still happening. You know? Oh, how about this? Satan, I rebuke you from my finances. <laughs> you call your bank or you put it up online. Okay. Still not delivered. There's still no money in here. I got bills to pay, no money to pay them with. Deliver me, God. And, and <laughs> there has to be some element of you overcoming mismanagement or poor stewardship. Okay. Now, once again, we take up the offering before these types of messages because after them, you know. But overcoming is really about enduring. Jesus encouraged his followers while he was on this earth. He said, I want you to endure to the end. In Matthew 24, he said, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. The one who endures to the end will be saved. And see, a, a true disciple of Jesus Christ is the one, is a person who endures through trials by the power of the Holy Spirit. An overcomer is one who clings to Jesus, just hangs on to Jesus Christ, no matter how much it costs. And that's discipleship. Discipleship is a process by which we learn to become more and more like Jesus. That we replace the works of the flesh with the fruit of the Spirit in our life. All of those kind of things that happen. But being a true disciple of Jesus Christ may cost you sleep. It may cost you time. It's going to cost you energy. But our mentality is just like the, the frozen dinner in the, in the freezer. We want a quick meal, so we, we pop it in the microwave for 60 seconds. And, and even though it tastes like stale rubber when they pull it out, it's quick and it's easy. And we have some, we have some nourishment, so we're eating it because it's easy. We use church the same way. You may have had a week from hell this week, and you were probably thinking all, all week long, if I can just get to worship on Sunday morning, if I can just get to worship on Sunday morning, if I can just get there, Charlie and the team, they're going to bring me out of the doldrum because worship's where I, get my, where I get my... Let me ask you a question. If worship's where you get that good feeling back, why do you wait till church on Sunday? I mean, why do you wait? Because here's the thing. Here's what we do. Oh. If we'd have just sang one more song. If it had been 35 minutes instead of 30. And God forbid if Charlie only goes 25. Because if he only goes 25, God wasn't here this morning. They didn't sing enough. We use church as a microwave to feel better. Why? Because we don't want to dive down and drill into the idea that we have to overcome some things. Here's a thought. If worship picks you up during, when you're going through rough times, why not get up a half hour earlier and spend that, that half hour in worship? Right. Or step an hour, a half an hour later. Oh, no, I, I need my sleep. You want to sleep or do you want to overcome? Discipleship costs something. Well, I just, I just I'm, if, and here's another piece of this. If, all, if the only spiritual food that you get is on Sunday morning, you're anemic. You're anemic. 
I mean, we, we're, we'll be done here in about 20 minutes. So 10 to 11. Every now and then we go to 11.10. Well, you just need to have church longer. No. You and I need to recognize that being a follower of Christ and being a disciple of Jesus Christ so that we can move to a place of overcoming and be an overcomer takes time and effort on our part. We have to embrace that idea. We have to embrace that idea. Hebrews 3, 4 says, We have come to share in Christ if indeed we hold our original conviction firmly to the very end. Okay? So it's enduring. It's a process. It takes a while. It's a journey. Here's the next idea about overcoming. Overcoming doesn't necessarily mean something goes away. And here's where I'm jacking around with your theology a little bit. Because we've always thought, if you overcome something, it never bothers you again. That's not what overcoming is all about. Overcoming just means that you have prevailed over it. There was a season in David's life in the Old Testament where, and when you read it, you read, this is what it says. David, God gave David victory from all of his enemies, and David rested. The very next verse in the next chapter says this. The Philistines gathered on the, over the next mountain range in battle array to attack Israel. So David had a moment when he had victory over the Philistines. But the Philistines were gathering again over the hill. What is the lesson that we learn about this? That overcoming doesn't mean that you vanquish the issues in your life. Overcoming simply means that you have learned and you have endured to a place where you know how to combat them. Well, I just, I just want some peace. One day you will die. That's a harsh statement, but one day you and I will go to be with Jesus. It's appointed in a man wants to die, okay? It's going to happen to us. If it doesn't happen, and we all hope the rapture is really going to be a thing, you know, we hope it does. I hope it is. I believe that it is. And I really hope it's pre. I don't want to go through the tribulation. Okay? So I'm praying, let's, let's, God, let's do it this way, please. Please. But we are not going to have that type of peace on, in, this, in this paradigm, in this life. That type of peace comes in eternity. While we're on this side of it, we're going to have trouble. We're going to have difficulties. We have flesh that we war against and flesh that we battle against. So it doesn't mean necessarily that it goes away, but that you learn how to deal with it and move ahead in spite of it. A great example in Scripture is Paul and his thorn. Paul had this thing in his life. 2 Corinthians 12, 7 down through verse 10. He said, in, and he said this, look at, look at the way he views it, in order to keep me from being conceited. I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Now, in, in all circles, but especially for some reason in Pentecostal charismatic circles, we want to know what that thorn is. So we're always digging around trying to figure out what it is. And I've read everything under the sun on Paul's thorn because I was curious. One scholar said it was his wife. I didn't say that. I'm just saying what one guy said, and it's not Phil that said that. Okay? I'm just saying one scholar says it was his wife. Well, Paul wasn't married. I don't know. He's part of the Sanhedrin. It's kind of like a, you know, so there's some stuff there. I don't know. I wasn't there. But one guy said that. 
Another guy said that it was his eyes, that he had something wrong with his eyes. Another guy said that it was his hair, unruly hair. I'm just telling you what the scholars have said down through the years. More than likely, it was recurring malaria. Because in the time that Paul lived, when you, when you look at the, the, uh, what was going on in that region of the world, there was a malaria outbreak. And if you've ever had that, I've never had it, but I've talked to people that have, and it recurs. Once you have it, then it can come back at some other time. So a lot of people tend to lean toward it being malaria. I don't know what it was, okay? I know this, that he had it, and he asked three times for it to go away. And three times, God said, no. And for a lot of people, we, we, don't, we, don't, we don't want God to say no to us, okay? But God said no to the Apostle Paul on three occasions about the exact same issue. He said no. But then he said to Paul, but he's, verse 9, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. What is God saying to the Apostle Paul? He's saying, Paul, I don't need to deliver you from this, but you're going to have to learn to deal with it and overcome it. And Paul eventually got it. It took three times, but he eventually got it because it said he asked three times. Finally, therefore, he said, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That's why for Christ's sake... I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardship, in persecution, in difficulties. For when I'm weak, then I am strong. Paul, the same guy, said this in Philippians. He said, how I praise the Lord that you are concerned about me again. I know you've always been concerned. But you didn't have the chance to help me. Verse 11, not that I I was ever in need, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation. And then in verse 13, he says, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Overcoming something doesn't mean that it leaves your life completely. We'll talk about deliver or we'll talk about overcoming the flesh in a few weeks. But there was, a point in, there was a point in Paul's life when he said, he prayed, he prayed, God, deliver me from this body, this flesh of death. Deliver me, but it didn't happen. Why? Because the deliverance from the flesh, and I don't want to give away too much this morning, happens either by, the, by death or by the time we, when we're raptured and we go to be with Jesus. The flesh we have to war through. Spiritual famine, you don't get relief from spiritual famine because you ask one time for God to open up the heavens and the rain of the Holy Spirit to fall on you. It doesn't happen that way. If you're in a time of spiritual famine, what we tend to do is we just tend to, we tend to step back and go, well, eventually it'll happen. No, you press into God. You press into God. You push into God. You get closer. You, 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 I don't feel like it. You do it anyway. You do it anyway. The biblical definition of overcomer is a person who defeats someone or something in a conflict or struggle. So let's close with this this morning. An overcomer is a follower of Jesus Christ who successfully resists the power and temptation of the world system.
It means you resist. When lust is, when lust is raging inside of you, you step into that. You, don't, you face into it and you resist it. And you resist it and you resist it until you resist it until, until you can move past that. If you're a person who lives with anger and rage inside your body and, and your mind and your emotions, you don't just, God's not going to walk in and go, okay, you're not angry anymore. You have to drill down. You've got to work through that stuff. You've got to figure it out and you've got to resist it and resist it and resist it and resist it. Even though you want to smack somebody across the mouth, you resist that and you keep resisting and you keep turning to God. An overcomer is not a sinless individual. Okay, being an overcomer doesn't mean we don't have sin in our life. We don't deal with sin. We continue to deal with that. We will continue to deal with our flesh. We will continue to deal with famine. We continue to deal with fear from time to time. And we all make mistakes and we have failures in our life. We have all of these things in our life. It doesn't mean when we become an overcomer, it doesn't mean that these things go away. It means that we figured out a way to face into them and resist the power and the temptation of the world system that's coming against us. And sometimes that world system is what's in us. 1 John 4, 4, again. You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. Being an overcomer means that you resist the power and temptation and you do not quit. But what if I, don't, what if I, what if I make a mistake? You will. Today you may get your flesh under control. Tomorrow it may be out of control. But it doesn't mean that you throw up your hands and go, I'm not going to try anymore. You may make a bad financial decision today. You work your way out of it. So that the next time you won't make the same, same, same mistake twice. Am I making any sense this morning? If we're going to be overcomers, then there's stuff that we have to do. And with our, with our Western ideal, our Western mindset, we want things so quickly that we, that we really push back on the enduring stuff. We really push back on the, on the overcoming because it takes work. And we would much rather go the path of deliverance. But I'm telling you, and I'm not, I'm not denying the delivering power of the Holy Spirit and the name of Jesus Christ will deliver you. It, will, it can deliver you from attacks of the enemy. It can. The name of Jesus is used to combat Satan and the, and the demonic forces of hell. But most of the stuff, I'm not, I'm not giving him any more credit than he should get, okay? There's not a devil under, in, in, under every bush and on every dish rag. It's not a, it doesn't work that way, okay? Don't give him more credit. If the issue is you, embrace it and go, oh, this is me. It ain't got nothing to do with the devil. Why did God make me this way? God made you fearfully and wonderfully. He made you in his image. Adam and Eve screwed it up. And because they screwed it up, everybody since that time has been born into sin. So we live in a fallen world. We need to be redeemed and we need to have regeneration take place and transformation take place in our life. And those things don't happen at a word. They happen through work. Overcoming means facing it, resisting it, and holding fast to Jesus Christ to get us through it.
every time that it pops up. Amen? Let's stand. We really like that passage. Greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. I can go back into my Pentecostal Southern gospel type roots and really go, I'm telling the church this morning that greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. And you guys be, yes. And you walk out here and your husband says something you don't like and you just light into him in the car. And your husband probably doesn't have sense enough to get out of the rain like I don't. Sorry about that. My iPad's ringing. And it won't stop. It's my grandson. <laughs> I lost my train of thought. Oh, yeah, most of us husbands don't have sense enough to get out of the rain. So when, when we, we're going to remind our wife in the parking lot, Hey, you just, you were just going, because greater is he to send you. And she goes, I'll show you, <laughs> you know, the real deal is this guys. And this is the truth. Okay. I'm, I'm just being dead serious this morning. I believe in the delivering power of God. Unfortunately, most of the stuff that humans face has nothing to do with a satanic attack. It has everything to do with, with decisions that we make and we refuse to overcome the works of the flesh in our life. We're going to unpack fear next week, okay? How do we overcome that? How do we overcome it? How do we, how do we overcome a failure in our life or a failing in our life? How do we get past spiritual famine? And then the last week, we'll, 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 we'll conquer the, the, the idea of how do we overcome our flesh? And that's, of all of them, that's the one that's close to me because it, it's, it's something that I've watched people for almost 40 years now in ministry. I've watched people pray for deliverances from things that they'll never be delivered from until they see Jesus. But God requires us to overcome them on this side. Okay? Can I pray for you? All right, let's pray. Father, this morning, God, I just pray that that today's word and the next few weeks, God, that you, by your Holy Spirit, that you will bring enlightenment to our minds and into our hearts. God, that you will help us learn the way of an overcomer. That we understand the concept and the truth behind overcoming the things that, that are in our lives, that are not pleasing to you, the things that we need to be crucified and sacrificed to you, God. Father, I pray that we'll embrace the cost of discipleship. And that we'll do everything within our power to move to be an effective disciple of Jesus Christ. Be with each one of us in this room, across this campus, online today, and those that will be watching it throughout this next week or two. Father, my prayer is that we will become overcomers in our own right. We give you praise and we give you glory today in Jesus' name. And we all said amen. Amen.